Welcome to the ministry of Pastor Obi-Pax Harry, an apostolic and prophetic voice of our time, being used by God to impact lives and to change cultures. Sit back, open your Bible, and get ready to be transformed by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to speak on uh, ancient landmarks. Um, the Lord has really been moving on my heart with this revelation of ancient landmarks. And I'm really excited and very um, thrilled that the Lord would use me to, 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 to really birth out uh, this revelation and to bring present truth. And it is my, my uh, prayer that the Holy Spirit would take over my tongue, that it will be like the pen of the ready writer. And that as I speak, that the word of the Lord will rest upon fertile grounds of our hearts. And the Lord will bring us practical strategy. The Holy Spirit will give us strategy to actualize, you know, these words, the revelations, the strategies in our lives so that we can advance the kingdom of God because of such we were made for that we, the carriers of the kingdom of God, will advance the kingdom of God wherever we are. His rule, his domain, his fear that is with us. So I'll, I'll begin you know, I'll use 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 12 as my text. My really favorite ones, you know, some of my favorite, you know, verses of scripture. You know, Paul writing about spiritual wisdom says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. This is very powerful. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Verse 11. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by God. I repeat that verse, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Father, again, I ask that you will bless the sharing of your word, that it will be accredited with power. Holy Spirit, I ask again that you will partner with me, that you will bring us present truth, that where there's been stagnation, where there has been famine of revelation, that by the illumination of your word, Father, that there will be advancement in the name of Jesus Christ. Now Paul writing to the church in Corinth begins to really expound the, uh, uh, the word of God, begins to you know, open up spiritual wisdom, saying to the, 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 the saints in, a, in Corinth that he was speaking wisdom among those who are mature. So I bring wisdom of God you know, through his word to those that are mature today. You know, he says, not the wisdom of this age, 
not, not the wisdom of what's happening now, not what we hear on CNN, not what we read on the pages of newspapers. Is there no of the rulers of the age who are coming to nothing? It's not even what we hear those who claim to know, you know, that, you know, what they claim to know about what they say they know about, you know, society, even about our God. You know, he says, but he's speaking wisdom of God in a mystery. I bring you the wisdom of God today in a mystery. He says, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So there are things that have been ordained before the ages for our glory. And indeed, Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29 tell us that the secret things belong to, you know, our God. He tells us very clearly that the secret things belong to him, but the things that have been re revealed belong to us and our children. And it is for us to, to really, you know, harvest these promises to search you know, the word of God to, for the things that make us really that overcoming army. He says the secret things, you know, belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. And not just to us, also to our children forever. Not for a, a, a moment, not for today and not for tomorrow, that forever that we may do all the words of this law. That we may do all the words of this law. All the words of the word of God. He says every promise that God has, you know, written in his word for us are to be harvested. Every prophecy is to be fulfilled. Paul says, look, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. I think the problem is that we have been speaking in, in normal, you know, language, accessible language that, you know, creates level playing field. And you don't know who is the believer, who is the carrier of wisdom and who is the carrier of glory. You know, we just been creating level uh, playing fields by even the way we articulate even the mysteries of God. But the time has come to make a difference that we begin to use words that open doors of hearts, that we begin to use words that open gates of nations. We begin to use words that open gates of, of resources that God has given to us to manage his world because the earth belongs to him and all of his fullness according to Psalm 24 verse 1. We know very clearly that the earth belongs to him and all of his fullness and the people that dwell there, therein. He owns it all. Somebody say he owns it all. Personally, I say my father owns it all. My father owns it all. It says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This is the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. For our glory, for our distinction, for our splendor, for our distinguishing, for our wealth, for our brilliance, the brilliant light of God that shines over us. It says, you know, there are things that have been hidden. The, the wisdom of God is hidden in mysteries. He says the wisdom of God in a mystery. A mystery, you know, according to the Greek word that translates mystery, mysterion, is something that was previously hidden but now revealed. Now revealed. He says we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. It was hidden but now revealed to those who know God. And you link it again to Deuteronomy 29, 29, which tells you that the secret things you know, belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed, okay, the mystery of God that is now revealed, belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So it is really our responsibility to search out the things that have been revealed, 
okay? Because they not only belong to us, they belong to our children forever. So if we're going to build uh, 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 generationally, we're going to have to be people who know how to search out the things that have been revealed to us. God has his secret zone, but he has things that have been revealed to us. So like Paul the Apostle, we can speak the wisdom of God hidden in mystery. It says the hidden wisdom of God. And Paul makes it clear that if those who crucified Jesus Christ knew about this hidden wisdom, they would not have crucified him. Now Psalm 89 verse 22 says, The enemy shall not outwit us, nor the son of wickedness exact upon us. So I want to deduce that what Paul is saying is, look, he, the, he, the opera, he was speaking on a higher wisdom, a wisdom that outwit the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, the wisdom that, uh, that outwitted legalism, okay? The wisdom that outwitted Judaism. Because had they known these legalistic minds and the pharisaical minds, it would not have called for the crucifying of the Lord Jesus because they did not know that in crucifying him, they were opening a door for a, for a, a reconciliation of man and God and for a people that would emerge, that would be a royal priesthood, that would be a chosen people, that would be God's you know, own people marked for greatness that will be stewards that God has placed all over this earth, that Jesus gives a command, occupy until I return. You know, and that occupying army is not supposed to be a placid army, nor is it supposed to be a stagnated army, but it's supposed to be an occupying army that is functional, you know, in every aspect and dimension of life, you know, that the wisdom of God that is deposited in us and that, that you know, that we carry within us becomes wisdom that is declared any time that there is a stagnation, that there is hindrance, that there is a blockage and there is a standstill, there is moratorium, whether it be over nation, over our family, over our lives, whether it be over office, wherever we work. So it's really profound to know, you know, and this is why, you know, this scripture is really my foundation scripture for the, for, for, for what I want to share, because I do believe that it's given to me as well to share the wisdom of God, you know, hidden in mystery, because, you know, there, there, there comes a full circle season. There comes a season when God gives us opportunity to buy back the future. So where out of folly we have, we have missed our way, where out of folly we have been disadvantaged advantaged all right so a full circle season is a season when we have gone round a circle and we come back to where we started and naturally god creates opportunity he creates these opportunities by even the people we meet the conversations he allows us to have the dreams that we have you know how he awakens our mind and calls things back to our memories even you know we can begin to meet friends that we have not even spoken to for 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 decades even so these are opportunity opportune times created kairos times god creates this kairos times within what you would call a fullness of time season so it's like an extension of season and so a Kairos opportunity is created in a fullness of time, you know, season so that you are able to buy back the future. Uh, indeed, Ephesians, you know, for uh, uh, chapter five, you know, verse 15 to 16, talking about walking in wisdom, verse 15 um, says thus. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So it becomes very fundamental 
very, very fundamental in a fullness of time season that we do not walk as fools, but as wise. That we do not walk as fools, but as wise. So what is the fullness of, of, of time season? Now, in the passage of time, Greek chronos, God introduces pockets of um, time, introduces, you know, opportune times where the seemingly impossible becomes possible. He introduces opportune strategic times, Greek kairos, where the seemingly impossible becomes possible. So you think about the cripple that was, you know, at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years and missed 38, you know, uh, kairoses, but there came the 38 one, you know, Jesus himself walks into the, into the uh, scene and helps him to understand that he was in an opportune Kairos time. There is also what you call the, uh, the earth time, you know, ET, which is a window of opportunity. So even, you know, in, in the process of time, you know, the chronological passage of time, which is chronos, the, you know, everyday, you know, activities of life, you know, what you do Monday to Sunday, you know, you eat, you drink, just a general passage of time. There comes times where you don't even need anybody to tell you that this is a favor time, if you want to use that word. But you just understand that, you know, you, you feel it even in your body. You feel it in your mind. You feel strengthened. You feel able, you know, to do what you could not do. And you feel that you can reach out to those things that you you, you touched and it looked like, you, you know, the, the fire, you know, you know, seared your fingers and you took your fingers back. But this time you feel strong enough, you know, to reach out to that fire. All right. So these are uh, uh, opportune times created by God. But an earth time is a window of, of time. God also creates windows over time where, you know, the, the, the seemingly impossible. So Ephesians 5 you know, fifteen. He says, "See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise." You know, there are opportune times that are given to us. You know, I mean, what about the the cripple at uh, get, get 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 beautiful? You know, I mean, there are opportune times when you you know. What about the the, the Syrophoenician woman? You know, it's just opportune times. You know, what about blind Bartimaeus? You know, opportune time and in opportune times. You know, God just in his wisdom, in his mercy, naturally creates those atmospheres where if we are walking with him as we should, intimate with him, we'll just know that this is not an ordinary Tuesday. I just feel strengthened. I feel energized. You know, I feel more confident to, to approach things. I'm mentally alert. You know, I, and you're just thinking, what is going on? Someone is, you know, is, is, is really, you know, cheering for me up there in heaven. And, and, and you feel strengthened to just put that good leg foot out, knowing that God is going to outstride you. So those times are the times that, you know, Paul the Apostle writes about to the, to the, to the uh, saints in Ephesus. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. You know, as though you have eyes all around. You know, you've got to be, you know, circumspect in your thinking, in your, in your, in your assessing, in your perspective, in, 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 and just in how you evaluate. He said, not as fools, but as wise. 
okay? Because those, you know, we say colloquially, opportunity knocks only once, but they knock more than once, you know? So don't be that one that says opportunity only knocks once, and then we become as fools. He said, but as wise, knowing that in the cycles of time, that according to Ecclesiastes chapter one, you know, maybe I just turn there and show you that whatever has been, you know, will be again. You know, that there isn't, uh, you know, that as children of God, we don't have times that, you know, are, are forever and irrecoverable. So we don't have, we don't make mistakes that we can't recover from. You know, that God gives us opportunity to buy back time. He gives us opportunity to redeem those mistakes. Because in God's cycle of time, you know, whatever, you know, has been, you know, will come round again, giving us opportunity. And the wisdom that we gain from that kind of cyclical movement where we have, you know, cycled the seasons. We come back, season comes back again, where we have, you know, we're wiser because we have gained so much knowledge, understanding as we transverse time. So we're back again to a place where, yes, I know that demon spirit. Yes, I know that experience. I conquered you and I will conquer you again. All right? So time is a very, very interesting, you know, con concept. And to the Jewish mind, time is not linear. Time is, you know, is uh, cyclical. So, you know, time goes round and comes again. So, you know, um, it says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Solomon's words, Ecclesiastes chapter one, it says vanity of vanities, says the preacher, you know, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Verse 3, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toys under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes. So when we're building generationally, we have to understand, as I said earlier on, that we have to understand that when, you know, full circle season comes, we cannot think as fools. We must be, you know, as the wise. We have to begin to seek things that are beyond, you know, the norm. We have to, you know, think thoughts that do not create level playing fields. So we're the same with like people who don't even know the Lord. We have to allow our minds, you know, to, to, to conceive the inconceivable because those seasons naturally give us opportunity to recover in a sight. Revelation helps us to gain time. So we cannot be as fools you know, we have to look for those, you know, uh, those riches, those riches in Revelation that the Lord has, you know, um, placed before us, our lives, whether it be in our family experiences, business experiences, mentors, mentees, just, you know, we just begin to search for knowledge and knowledge finds us as well. You know, so that's where I come to Deuteronomy 29, 29, because the things that are revealed really are our portion you know, according to that scripture, you know, that the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do the, you know, words of this, so that we are able to build generationally, we're able to pass knowledge from one generation to generation. So Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse four, one generation passes away and another generation comes. The generation that comes must be handed over, you know, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, you know, what it takes to be able to continue in victory. This is why, as Christians, we must learn how to build generationally. As you advance in age, in your experience, in whatever you're doing, whether it be temple or marketplace, whatever you're building, whoever you're leading, you must be 
be conscious of building generationally because God builds generationally. God builds, you know, revelationally and God builds relationally. So we have to be very conscious of how God builds. And because we're made in his image and in his likeness, we have to build like God. So one generation passes away and another generation comes. But the earth abides forever. He says in all of these movements, generational buildings, the earth never abides forever. Okay, the sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. So the sun rises, it goes down, but it goes back to where it got up from. Telling you that there's nothing new. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. He says, look, the wind gets up from, from the south. It turns around to the north. It even becomes a whirlwind. It whirls around continually, but it goes back on its circuit. It, it travels back the way it started and goes back to sleep where it began. This is created order. Solomon is telling us. He says, all the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. Isn't it amazing? All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been, verse 9, is what will be. That which has been is what will be. Just by the very words of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9, we must be quickened to understand that our role, the role of the end time church is to be the watchman church. We've got to be a people that are watching. We have to be a people that are seeking to understand. We have to be a people that are gaining knowledge because the things that have been revealed have been bequeathed to us, handed over to us. And by the way, Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, 17 that he did not come to destroy the law of the prophets. He said, I came to fulfill. So, you know, don't even believe that, you know, the words of God from Deuteronomy 29, 29 are done away with, you know. Instead, seek to be his friend because he said in Psalm, you know, 25 verse 4, 14, that he reveals his secret to those who fear him. He reveals his secrets. So we must be a people that seek to walk with the secret of the Lord. So we're not living lives of, um, uh, of uh, um, where, where, you know, a level playing fields being created. That is, you know, status quo. That is living lives of the norm. So, you know, we have to be a people, as I said, you know, Psalm 25 verse 14, seek to be friends of God. Because the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And he will show them his covenant. He will show them his law. He will show them his word. He will give them, you know, deeper insight and understanding of the word of God. So really, that's who I want to be. That's who you should want to be. So Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 1, 9, he said, that which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. He said, is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. I wish many believers, you know, just really learned this. He says, is there anything which it may be said, see, this is new. So we're really living, you know, predetermined course of events, which is the definition of destiny. Okay. He said, it has already been in ancient times before us. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things 
nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Remember, this is the man that asked, you know, God asked what he would give to him. And he asked for wisdom. And God said, I'll add riches. He asked for wisdom. Okay. This wise man says, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come, but those who will come after. So, Verse 11 tells you that you come in the process of life where the seasons naturally create what I call an intersection or crossroads. Okay? It creates crossroads. Now, at a crossroads place, Ecclesiastes 1.11 becomes important. There is no remembrance of former things. Former things is not going to move you forward. Nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come. You understand? By those who will come after. You see, crossroads give you an opportunity to see the future. Come away from the past. But make a decision which way you're going to go. They're just, intersection by definition means a meeting of, you know, two roads. It's where, you know, two things come to a head where you know two roads meet that, 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 that is an intersection so these seasons as, as well is, cre comes, is created naturally you know our experiences were coming from the past and we've had victory we've had deceit and defeats and then our future seems to come to us to meet our past and we are standing in the present don't forget so it looks like a convergence of times the past has come. The future is with me. And how is the future with me? In revelation, by revelation. You know, by the strength of my mind to be able to perceive things that I could not perceive. Understand things that I could not understand. Desire what I could not desire because there was a laziness of the mind. You know, I mean, appreciate what I could not appreciate Okay, be activated where I could not be activated. Get over lethargy, get over passivity. You know, and passion comes, a desire comes because I've broken out of hope deferred. I've come to understand that even my defeats of the past is all part of what's going to take me into the victory of my future. But I'm at this point now where I have to appreciate all that's happened to me in the past. I have to appreciate where I could be going, but I must make a decision how where I'm going is going to be. So if you even think about it, uh, end of a year, almost, you know, it creates that kind of, you know, natural, you know, it naturally creates that atmosphere. If you want to give an example, like the 12th month of a calendar naturally creates that. If you're going in the Hebraic calendar, you know, August naturally creates it. Even if you weren't even going in the, in the, in the Hebraic calendar, you know, when schools close up, there's a natural, it's like, you know, the seasons follow the same calendar, you know, the school holidays. And there's just really, as a parent, as an adult, you know, there's just this atmosphere, you know, you almost take a deep breath and it's like, wow, now I can, I can actually see things in perspective. Now I can actually make decisions. So we need to identify these seasons that naturally make it, you know, that make it easy for us, you know, naturally easy to make decisions. And then, you know, the quality of decisions we make 
you know, becomes important. So I just said that Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 11, you know, brings us to this point that I am talking about. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 10, let me read that again. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. Says, is there anything that is new? So verse 10 tells us that, you know, we, we, come, we also come to a time where we just have to assess where we have been because, you know, the decisions we make will take us back a circuit, you know, that makes us start again stronger because we've gone around a circuit. We have picked up the good, the bad, the ugly. We have had defeats. We have had victories. By the time we come back to our beginning times, all the victories are to our wisdom. The defeats are to our wisdom. They become currency for us to navigate the future. Okay? And this is why Paul, if you link it to Ephesians 5.15, it says now that we must walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Alright? So, if we are to move forward, number one, we have to recognize the season that we've come into. We have to recognize, identify and recognize the seasons that we've come into. We must recognize, you know, we have to stop. Not, things in, in, in a program by God create that, you know, uh, that, you know, stop and see circumstance in our lives so we have to stop so number one we have to identify and recognize the seasons you know number two we must name that season you know is this my full circle season have I come full circle if I've come full circle then I must be circumspect knowing that I need the wisdom of the past I need to convert even negative energy from my past positive energy from my past you know, to the uh, currency and energy that I'm going to use to enter into a stronger future. So number two, we have to, uh, we, ha we really have to assess where we come from. Number three, we, we must evaluate. We have to evaluate, you know, uh, uh, where we're at. We have to evaluate all that has happened to us. No, number three, we have to evaluate. You know, we identify the season, we recognize it, you know, we ask, uh, you know, assess it. You know, it's, it's a bit like evaluating, evaluating it, you know, you know, and we have to evaluate the season where we're at. You know, we have to be able to evaluate all that has happened to us, recognizing that, you know, there's nothing that is new. There's nothing we can say is new, you know, and when we do that, number four, you know, we now... Um, uh, determine, number four is determine, determine how we move. And to determine how we move, if we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 10, it says it has already been in ancient times before us. So wherever we're going now, we know that I'm going into a future that somebody else has lived. Alright? I'm going into a future that somebody else has lived. We have to understand that. Okay? I cannot go empty-handed. I must go with revelation because Deuteronomy 29, 29 already, already tells me, you know, that I am living revealed. Okay? Revealed, you know, uh, truth. Revealed circumstances and situation. And the definition of destiny is predetermined course of events. So I'm, I'm living predetermined course of events. That helps me to understand my own work. It helps me also... In this process, in the four-point process that I was telling us, it helps us to look at where we're at and say, well, 
who are these people that have lived in ancient times where I'm going? So really, to, to live victoriously, it, 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 it's not a difficult thing if we choose to walk with God. If we choose to walk the patterns of God, we will not get lost. We will not get lost. So just as I was saying, you know, you're coming, you're moving, you know, advancing in life and you get to a point and you, God naturally, that's what is exciting about, you know, uh, living like a, the tribe of Issachar, just operating in the Issachar anointing and you say, who's Issachar? 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 names this tribe and names them as children or sons, you know, who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. So, they, they existed in Bible time. Now it's their anointing that we're talking about. And, and Issachar is one of the tribes, you know, uh, that, 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 you know, the New Jerusalem rec recognizes the tribes, you know, one of the tribes, you know, is recognized in the, in the, in the New Jerusalem. So Issachar is not extinct. Issachar, you know, uh, the tribe of Issachar, one of the 12 tribes of, 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 uh, of Israel, you know, still recognized in the future that we are looking to isn't it so but the, for the uh, for for the purpose of um you know, what we're teaching they were recognized they had a an innate they had innate gifting they had intrinsic gifting they had they had spiritual ability to understand the times you know and then to know what their nation ought to do so they weren't just stargazers they understood the times and then knew, they had the strategy as well for applying the understanding. So that's what was unique about Issachar, all right? So we have to be a people who understand, you know, how to move with God, the patterns of God, that we get to a time in our advancement. God, because he's a merciful God, God, because he gave us stewardship responsibility of the earth, we're really not here just to attend services. We are stewards of God's manifold resources. All right? He, when he was creating man, he wasn't creating man to sit in buildings. He was creating man for relationship. And don't forget, he created us in his image and in his likeness. And, you know, and in blessing man, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. You don't just have a physical feeling, ideas feeling of the earth and subduing it. So the church should, should be producing ideas and solutions that really overwhelm humanists and, and secularists. You know what? We, we, the, 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 the idea zone should be populated by children of God. I mean, in the time of Daniel, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, God, God created created, naturally created a, an atmosphere to move through prophetic because a level playing field had been created. And how to come out of level, level playing field is to come in the power of the kingdom to, to outrun chariots of wickedness. So God creates these seasons that we must understand and most times Christians miss it. So God created uh, uh, a, 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 um, an atmosphere, created an atmosphere that made the king have a dream and the dream begins to affect his mind, you know, because again, God, the heart of the king is, a hand in, is in God's hands, isn't it so? So God begins to cause the king to have a different desire that this time the dream that he has ha had is not interpreted for him. 
I mean, this is scripture, isn't it? The heart of the king is in God's heart. Let us analyze it. So because the heart of the king is in God's hand, God can, like rivers of water, God can channel the thinking, you know, to any which way to produce the result that he wants to produce. Isn't it so? God will channel the thoughts of that king so that he can produce whatever result he wants to produce. And God doesn't have to tell the king, isn't it so? Because Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of the king is to search out a matter. So the, the heart of the king being in God's hands, God began to, to channel his thoughts, his desires, such that he no longer wanted to be told his dream. He now wanted, he no longer wanted to be told the interpretation of his dream, rather. He now wanted to be told his dream. All of this was God. It wasn't the king. It was God. It was Yahweh. It was the most high God. Because he was about to, you know, create, you know, an opportune time for the church to gain advantage, to move forward. So, we, 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 you see, when it seems dark and there is no movement, there's no motion, we begin to watch because God is about to do something. That is the time that our prayers must be aligned to heaven. We must ask the Lord to teach us to pray. We begin to call for divine intervention because God is going to create, you know, a shifting that causes his people to move forward. But we need to ask, we need to move the hand of God. So in the time of Daniel, you know, God, you know, began to move the heart of the king, placed a dream in the heart of the king in the first place and caused the king to now begin to demand something that he never demanded before. Because at the time, you know, I mean, Persia was ruled by, you know, uh, uh, sorcerers, witches, wizards, you know, warlocks, the whole lot, prognosticators. I mean, they were all there, astrologers, all of them, magicians, they were, all of them. It was their realm. But God began to create, you know, a, a, a natural climate, you know, which had spiritual implication. And began to control the revelatory realm, which is his anyway. And made the king to have dreams that troubled his spirit. It troubled his spirit. He began to seek not uh, uh, interpretation as he would in times past. He began to ask that he be told his dream. And, you know, the same God who hardened the heart of Pharaoh, that Pharaoh would not release Israel, hardened his heart. That he said in Daniel chapter 2, verse 5, say, my decision is firm. If you do not make it known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will give its interpretation. Because you see, the dream is in the heart of God. God releases dreams. Devil does not release dreams. He does not control the revelatory realm. He just only induces deception into that realm using familiar spirits. So as long as familiar spirits were active, you know, in uh, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon, it was, it was okay. They could just come and tell the king anything. They could just, you know, channel, channel distorted images into his mind by sorcery and cause him, come and give him interpretation that would favor them. And Daniel lived in that realm. 
and God had been preparing him. And God never wants us to be molded by the society that we're in, by the, the, the climate that we live in. He wants us to shape that climate by our fervency and passion for him. So to save Daniel from level playing field, he was under the same death edict as any other sorcerer. So really, if you look at it for crying out loud, you say, who are the prophets? Where are the prophets? Because where, you know, active prophetic and the spirit of prophecy is moving in a climate, we should not be, we should not lack sight. We should not lack revelation, you know, by which we can govern, you know, uh, our lives and govern the resources of God, you know, uh, responsibly as, as stewards. So Daniel had to come under the same edict. And that's what happens to us, the church. Unless we become the light and the sword that we're supposed to be, we come under the same edict. Because what's the difference? What's going to be the difference between you and an imam? What is going to be the difference? You have to bring the mind of God. So, you know, it, it looked like the devil was in charge, but God was going to turn this for his glory. So Daniel, because, you know, the thing about, if you look through the Bible, whenever... Uh, uh, and uh, the nation was in apostasy. The climate affected the prophets. I mean, you look at Samuel, he nearly anointed Eliab. He nearly anointed Eliab. You know, the Lord had to tell him that he'd rejected Saul and to stop mourning for Saul. So he went into mourning for Saul. You know, so the climate that we live under can shape us. The climate that we live under can, can tame us. The climate that we live under can can actually domesticate us and our spirit that we're not able to come in the boldness of the kingdom to declare truth because there is a, a, a thing about the natural man that does not like confrontation there's a thing about the natural man that does not want you know to be afflicted there's a thing about a natural man that does not want to be despised but sometimes we have to be despised to be able to save lives the bible says you know that with counsel and wisdom, Daniel had to answer Ariok, who, who went to Daniel, to let Daniel know that there is a decree that, you know, has been released. And you're all going to die unless you are able to make a difference. The Bible says that Daniel went in, he tried to negotiate with the king, you know. But you see, the, the, the intensity of the atmosphere made him go to the source. Now, I'm here to talk to you about, you know, the, the, the necessity of going back to the source. That's really, all I've been, all I've been doing is just really laying foundation for, 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 for the message that I'm bringing. That in a full circle season, to be able to go forward, you have to go backwards. But you don't go backwards at the things of the past, you know, encumber you. But you go to draw the wisdom, knowledge, passion of the past to be able to move forward. So we've been laying foundation here stating that if the pharisaical minds, the mind of legalism that crucified Christ Jesus knew that in crucifying him, they were opening their door to glory, they would not have done that. And so those of us that become, you know, the manifestation of the glory of God cannot live our lives by the spirit of the age, but by the spirit of God who tells us, teaches us the things that have been given freely to us. And going back to understand that the secret things of God belong to him, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children, that we may do all the words of the law. That truly you are on assignment. 
And the things that God has revealed are the things that you use as waymarks to enter into your future, as landmarks to enter into your future. But if you neglect the landmarks, then you're not going to be able to enter your future. And that we must recognize seasons that God introduces into our lives to help us to evaluate the past, evaluate the present, so that the future becomes so real to us. And when it comes to us, we don't make the mistakes of the past. When it comes to us, we don't abort. That is, we do not lose the tools, the strategies, the, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the superior knowledge that God's given us from past activities that seemed like they overcame us so that the future becomes a future that we can govern and administrate strategically, confidently for Christ that his kingdom may advance. What do I mean? That the future becomes a future that is not an accident to us. It's not a surprise. Okay, but my future in commerce, my future in politics, my future in government, my future in trade, my future in agriculture, my future in, uh, in, in the religion, my future in, 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 in education, my future wherever it is becomes a future that I can manage. Okay, I can manage with great responsibility knowing that I can only be sent as a child of God as a reformer. There's no other, as a change agent, it's not a cliche. It's not what some people are and some are not. It is the lot of a, of a redeemed child of God. It is the lot of the new creation to reform society. That's what the, acts, the apostles did and their acts are recorded in the acts of the apostles. 120 turned the world upside down by chapter 17. So we are naturally, we carry what it takes we are intrinsically and innately change agents. And who are we? Born again, spirit-filled children of God. But right now, we're trying to find our way into the identity that Christ died to give us with which we begin to manage affairs of nations. With which we come out of immaturity, enter into maturity that it takes to govern nations. To administrate God's resources over nations. To determine like Elijah whether rain comes to nations or not. To determine like the patriarchs of faith of old whether a nation is in surplus or in loss. To determine whether, you know, leaders of a nation are blinded or eyes open to see. It is, the, it is the responsibility of the church to govern, administrate. So he's like, ask of me and I will give you the heathens. I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. God never changed his mind about the assignment, all right? So we need to understand that these things. So Daniel had to be shifted out of complacency and the status quo you know, that was apparent in the nation under the Nebuchadnezzar that he had to go to God. He had to go back to God. He had to pray. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 2 verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Guys, we need night visions. 
we need to hear again what God is saying concerning our world, concerning our nations. God is looking again for the Daniels. He's looking again for the Josephs who are going to interpret dreams of kings. He's looking again for those that he can deposit his mind into this. That he can, he can deposit strategies of heaven. We're again in days of invention. We're again in days of creative miracles or creativity of God. We're in a, again days where the knowledge of the glory of God, it's not a promise that is waiting for when the Lord comes for you know, you know, it's, it is, there's, I mean, God is a dispensational God. There's partial consummation of these promises. Today, God can release all over this land those who carry the knowledge of the glory of God. You, the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory, how God does things, how heaven does things, the patterns of God, the values of heaven. It says that this knowledge of God is supposed to cover the earth as waters cover the seas. As long as there are thousands and thousands of worshippers, the knowledge of the glory of God, there must not be people who accept bribes. There must be pe not be people who participate in corruption. There must not be people who, who tell lies. There must not be people, but there must be people who, like gatekeepers, give access to everybody else to understand what it is the values of the kingdom is so they can live it, they can apply it wherever they are. And as Daniel you know, as Daniel sought the face of the Lord, God revealed to him the king's dream and interpretation in a night vision. And this caused the king to honor Daniel's God. It caused the king to honor Daniel's God. For indeed, wisdom and might are our gods. And he is the one that changes the times and seasons. He's the one that removes kings and raises up kings. He's the one that gives knowledge to the wise and uh, 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 wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He's the one that reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. He's God all by himself. These are the words with which Daniel praised him. And in verse 23, he said, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we have asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. The Lord will make known to you the king's demand. This is the time that God wants to make known to the church, to children of God, the king's demands again. That's why he's God. He will take the mind of the king, what he has already placed in the king, what he has already deposited in a king. A desire not to have status quo. So now the king who has been satisfied with just being told the interpretation of his dream, God who has the heart of the king in his hand, places a dream in the, ki in the king's heart. Kalima Sokoto Basakata. Places a desire in the king to seek beyond where he was. So now the unbelieving king is the one Pushing for a shift. Pushing for a shift. This is because the time has come, like I've been explaining, that God creates natural, natural atmospheres to move the church forward, to move his people forward, to move his triumphant army forward, to move those that are ready forward. So in Daniel's time, he, God did that. So we are looking at the patterns of God, how he's done it in times past. He begins to put a desire. It was a dream of a king that brought 
Joseph out of, out of prison. So God begins to put a dream in the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar, a dream that sorcerers, because God wants to display his majesty through his children. It's not that he's asleep and it's that false prophets are having their way. You know, magicians are having their way. Sorcerers are having their way. Christians are running helter skelter, as Daniel prophesied in chapter 12, verse 4. To and fro, those that are looking for free, fruit of the womb, they're all over the place. They're being taken advantage of. You know, women, they're money. They've sold their goods because they want to have a baby. And a false prophet is running them around, you know, the horses. You know, is it a man that is looking for business? A man that wants to govern, that wants to get into politics. And he believes that he cannot get in through the way of the Lord. He has to shed blood. He has to kill a person. He has to offer sacrifices to satanic altars to be able to get power. That devil is a liar. The day has come for those who were given the earth to manage to arise and they are not going to go up by the way of occultism. They're going to go up by the way of God. So you get ready. The days are coming when God is going to put dreams in the hearts of unbelieving kings and these unbelieving kings will create themselves by their hands, by their own words, atmospheres that, that bring you forward, that bring your gifting forward, that make what God has placed in you have a voice. Because they will say to their usual cronies, their usual imams, their usual malams, they would say to their usual witches and wizards, they would say to their occultists, they would say, look, I don't want to know the interpretation this time. You need to tell me the dream and the interpretation. Now, only God who holds dreams can give a key to interpreting the dream. So this is how God made a way for the church in the time of Daniel. And we're coming into those days of glory again, Maria Basokoto Mahandaya, where room will be made for children of God because kings are about to have dreams. Yes, it's been all right. They've been the richest people in the world. They've been all over the place. They, they have this, they own this. They've had the material power. They have the economic power, it seems. But the days of flip-flop is coming. God is flipping things around. And these same ones who seem to have the wisdom of commerce, they're going to have to have to enter into the mind of God to get the higher wisdom that God is going to give his children to govern the resources of nations. The things that God has placed in nations that are about to be revealed, revealed to those nations by which these nations will be returned to God. That governance will be righteous governance that you will not need to take a bribe because there will be so much resources you don't need to steal what belongs to you. Those days are coming says the spirit of the living God and it will not be for those that are not in covenant with him it will be for children of God that are in covenant with God they will be the ones that will be able to interpret the dreams of the kings because God is going to lock out sorcerers He's going to lock out prognosticators. He's going to lock out witches and wizards because the wisdom, the glory, the dreams that are going to be heard, even in the season that is coming, are dreams that are coming from the th uh, third heaven that God is going to lock into the hearts of unbelieving kings. And they themselves by their own hands will dismiss their crowd. They themselves by their own hands will tell the evil men and women that have, that, that have kept the watch around them, you know, that the day, a new day has come by the demand of their heart concerning their dreams. They are going to act, demand more than they have always demanded. And that will make room for the children of God. 
in the name of Jesus. That will make room for the children of God. And the children of God, the Daniels of our time, the Josephs of our time, will come up and bring the solution. We will no longer be ruled by governments that have no clue what to do. Hallelujah. The days are coming, says the Lord, when the Josephs who have the strategy for a nation to come out of famine, those Josephs, you watch at the door of the, of the new year is opening up to reveal the Josephs of the land. Hallelujah. So be blessed and know that you are counted into what is coming. That you will be a channel of the manifestation of God's wisdom in the now. Says the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening. To order more copies of this message or other messages, you can order from our nearmycenter at gmail.com. You can also contact our European office, contact at rlachurch.org.